Worship in the World is a screen-free worship experience brought to you by Downtown Church. Downtown Church is a community of unfinished people based in Columbia, South Carolina. We believe in asking honest questions while we strive to follow Christ within our own communities, loving people wherever they find themselves on their faith journey. Thank you for being with us today. trust in our Savior always He'll keep us everyone in His care I keep on the sunny side always on the sunny side keep on the sunny side of life It'll help us every day Every day, 
Sometimes it's hard to keep on the sunny side, and yet we know that God promises to be with us wherever we find ourselves this day. So as we center ourselves in worship together, let us pray. Hear our words. Consider our groans, O Lord. You are with us. In the morning, you hear our voice. In the morning, we lay it all out before you. And then we wait expectantly. You are with us. We beg of you, Lord, don't punish us when you are angry. Don't discipline us for all we have done wrong. Have mercy on us, Lord, because we are frail. We are worn out from groaning. And every night our bed is drenched with tears, our couch soaked all the way through. Heal us, Lord. Heal our trauma. Hear us now as we pray in silence before you. Beloved, the Lord has listened to our request. The Lord accepts our prayer. Know that you are forgiven. We can live in peace. And now for Holy Interruption. Hey, we're the Adams family. Uh, Alice and Jason and our three daughters, Sarah, Rebecca, and Catherine. Hey, y'all. Sarah, Rebecca. Sarah and Rebecca are in college, and Catherine's 15-year-old and uh, freshman at high school. And we were talking about what we wanted to say for the Holy Interruption today, and 
Um, it just came to mind how we were trying really hard to stay connected to everybody during a really difficult time, but um, we felt like we've been able to do that and enjoy seeing people on the back lawn. And Yeah, our girls got to sing uh, last weekend with the um, song portion of it. Uh, two of them together, Rebecca and Sarah. That's been a big part of, of our effort at downtown church and enjoyed uh, the music side of it. Really enjoyed being on site and hearing it live. Uh, definitely one thing you miss with COVID is live music. That's so true. And we love being on the back lawn with everybody and are so appreciate Dawn and Lucas um, just helping us all stay connected. And Anna Catherine was able to go through confirmation and I'm so glad that we were able to do that. So really, we just can't wait to be together with everybody, but um, just keep searching for ways to stay connected. Hope to see y'all soon. Peace be with you. If you're enjoying this podcast, we invite you to pass it along to a friend who you think might enjoy it too. The scripture for today comes from the gospel according to John, chapter 1, beginning with verse 43. Hear now God's word for us. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip there and said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him about whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him, he said to him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered him, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus answered, do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Very truly, I tell you, you will see the heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This week I was listening to a favorite podcast called On Being. The host, Krista Tippett, interviews a wide array of authors, artists, theologians, poets, scientists, pastors, and more. And in these interviews, she's trying to address, as she calls, the animating questions at the center of human life. In this particular episode, she spoke with Bishop Michael Curry and Dr. Russell Moore. Bishop Curry is the presiding bishop of the Episcopalian Church in America. You might know him as the one who preached the sermon at the most recent royal wedding. And Dr. Moore is the head ethicist of the Southern Baptist Convention. 
two men in leadership positions in churches that differ on a number of social and theological issues. Yet, both men adamantly love Jesus. Both men have devoted their lives to that call. Both are part of a tradition that claim Jesus to be Lord, and both offer insight on how Christ might show up in the world today. And they were discussing the Good Samaritan story. It's when Jesus is asked by a follower, who is my neighbor? In answering the question, Jesus proceeds to tell a story, a story of a man who is traveling down a road. The man is robbed, beaten, and left to die. A priest and a Levite, folks who were high up in the Jewish culture, walk by the man and ignore him. But then a Samaritan man comes by. And Samaritans were considered racially inferior and religious heretics by most Jews. But it was this one, the Samaritan, who helped the injured man. He bandaged his wounds and bought him a room in an inn nearby where he could recover. Jesus then asked the man, which of these three were the neighbor to the injured man? The one who showed mercy, said the man. Yes, Jesus said. Now go and do likewise. Beyond the classic lesson of caring for our neighbors, which can never be told enough, this is a story about shattered expectations. Shattered expectations of just who our neighbors are. Can anything good come out of Samaria? Jesus says yes. And Bishop Curry says that for us to really understand the radical implications of this parable, we ought to change the wording a bit. Might we call it the parable of the good Baptist or the good Muslim? Or possibly the parable of the good Democrat or of the good Republican? If we found ourselves living in the West Bank, we might need to hear the parable of the good Israeli or the good Palestinian. Because it seems that in times of crisis, in times of turbulence and change, like what we are experiencing now, we've been conditioned to lean even harder on our own preconceived ideas. We look inward into our tribe, to what is familiar. The listeners of the Good Samaritan story had their ideas about Samaritans. Nathaniel had his own idea about Nazarenes and what the Messiah would look like. You've probably got your own ideas about some other group of people. I know I do. Our own experiences and sources of information shape our understanding of the world. It's why Nathaniel's initial reaction to Jesus as the Messiah is a bit understandable. Jesus' credentials, place of birth, family lineage, all hardly qualify him to be the one promised by Moses and the prophets. Nazareth was a rather insignificant village, 200 to 400 people. Joseph and Mary, Jesus' parents, they were nobodies. Maybe Nathaniel 
Didn't want to get his hopes up just to be let down. Maybe he's like us in that it's easier to dismiss people altogether than take the time to get to know them. Either way, Nathaniel's greatest mistake is his rock-solid assumption that Jesus' origins could explain who he was entirely. But listen to how Philip reacts. Philip, just verses before, has become Jesus' follower, and he already feels compelled to tell the world. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathaniel asks? Philip says, come and see. Come and see. Come and see that a child has been born. Come and see that the Lord is good. Come and see that the world is so complex. Come and see that we're not always right. Come and see. Nathaniel has doubts. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip, as a witness to Jesus and his indescribable glory, does not argue. He does not coerce. He does not discredit Nathaniel's initial doubt. Fred Craddock once wrote that faith sickens and dies in an atmosphere where doubt is laughed at. It sickens and dies. Bring your doubt. Philip says. Words don't do Jesus justice. He says, come and see for yourself. Philip is practicing the apophatic way of approaching God, meaning we can't describe God. We can only experience God and say what God is not. It's the way of John of the Cross, a 16th century Spanish priest and Carmelite friar. He spent eight months in prison for his role in leading reforms in the church. From a dark, lonely jail cell, he wrote, God cannot be held on to. God can only be encountered. Northern Irish theologian Peter Rawlings said similarly that God is an event, not a fact to be grasped, but an incoming to be undergone. It seems that Philip knew this. Jesus was an event. Jesus was a humble freight train coming to shake up the world as we know it. The sort of person that had something so unique, so radiant, so powerful, so radically different about him that Philip tells Nathaniel that you just have to come and see it. And something happens in the text here. It's not just that Nathaniel sees Jesus. It's that Jesus sees him. Within two verses, the primary doubter then proclaims Jesus to be rabbi, the son of God and the king of Israel. Like what so happens often in the Bible, we don't know fully what this encounter looked like. Just as we never know fully how any person encounters God. But what we do know is that Jesus creates a culture that invites people to change their mind. Verse 
He challenges folks to reimagine just who God is and where God can show up in the world. The story from John is one of epiphany, of revelation, of witnessing God anew. It's no wonder that Epiphany is the liturgical season that we as Christians are in right now. It's the seven weeks between Christmas and Lent. It begins with the unlikely birth of Christ and ends with the indescribable transfiguration atop Mount Tabor. But the season of Epiphany is not only about Christ in the manger. That's where it begins. Yes, the epiphany began with a group of foreign magicians huddling around a manger to witness, worship, and offer gifts to God in a vulnerable refugee child. But its epiphany continues with us. It continues with us being willing to see Christ in one another, in the world, with us being able to remove our preconceptions of God and God's activity so that we can be open to authentic encounters with the divine in new and unexpected ways. Last week, Don preached about loving one another. Love anyway, she said. If that's not difficult enough, I'm going to try to take it a step further. And that we must be willing to see God in one another. To have our heart and minds broke open by a God who is easier to experience than describe. To, as George Fox said, walk joyfully over the earth and respond to that of God in every person. Because when we open ourselves up to have our minds changed, to see God in the unexpected places, and to look for the epiphanies happening all around us, our responses will be love. Our lives will be that of love. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Yes. Come and see. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, the road is wide And waters run on either side My shadow and the fading light Stretching out towards the night Cause the sun is low 
And I yet have still so far to go My lonely heart is beating so Tired of the wandering There's a sign ahead Though I think it's the same one again But I'm thinking about my only friend And so I find my way home to 
Lucas. Hello, Dawn. How are you doing today? Not too bad. Not too bad. It's good to be with you this morning. Can I tell you a funny story? Yes. So this morning, I got my coffee, and we do pour over, right, in my house. So I got my, my to-go mug out. I got this, like, metal reusable filter, and I put it on top of the coffee cup, put my crowns in, started pouring boiling hot water over, and realized that I left out the filtering device, like the actual thing that holds the filter. <laughs> and so coffee's just spilling all mm. over. And I couldn't help but laugh, like, just... Um, I don't know if anyone else is feeling this way. It's probably pregnancy brain too, but mm. just, you know, I get done reading the news. I've sifted through my email. I'm, you know, probably my mind's in a lot of other places and I can't even do the simple task of making a cup of coffee. How mad was Tim that you wasted all that good coffee? Oh, I drank it all. Oh, also it was it? decaf. Okay. Oh yeah. So he doesn't really care about decaf. <laughs> so now we were lucky there. Well, listen, I really appreciated um, the work you did in this sermon on how we experience Jesus, uh, and in particular how you named that our words, they often fall short. Um, so I'm, I'm curious, uh, when you have experienced Jesus um, before, it can be unexpected or expected, but when have you experienced Jesus? Hmm. For me, I remember I was asked this question when I was interviewing for Downtown Church, and, and for me, it's so much of all around us, especially in people, um, and that's what I, I try to talk about in this sermon, just the way that we, if we truly believe that all of us are made in God's image, and that Jesus' incarnation as a human really empowers all people to be a part of this holy community, then we have to be willing to see Christ in one another. Um, Unexpectedly wise, most recently, I, I would have to say um, I'm getting married this year and I'm getting married to a, my fiance has a seven-year-old son. And, and I remember just every time I get to hang out with him, get to spend time with him, the things he teaches me about um, just life, about, about encountering the divine, just like by just playing or just like unexpected um, lessons in patience or in unconditional love or in forgiveness just by being together. And I don't want to go into too much detail because I haven't gotten his permission to say so, but I just say that he has been one of my greatest teachers um, and joys of these past two years. Mm. That's pretty cool. He's pretty awesome. What about you? Man, I knew you were going to do that. Do what? Flip the question. Well, you asked the question. That's, <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do on these. I... Uh, I appreciate that. Um, you know, there's this moment um, in Cuba. Our church took an international mission trip to Cuba right before the shutdown. And um, we had this guide. Her name was Celia. And um, she's a musician and also worked for the church. Uh, and so when she, she was kind of shy about her music, but there was this one night where um our host had invited some local Cuban musicians to play. They were incredible. And uh, I did this thing where I just go tell them like, hey, she's really good at singing. You should pull her up there. And they did. And she started singing. And you could tell that even like the musicians playing the guitars, like their eyes like got big at her voice and witnessing someone's gift come out. Mm. Uh, it's a moment where I, I really can see Jesus alive in the world. And, and there's something really cool in watching it in someone that you don't even know that well, you know, mm -hmm. like I, I think um, 
it's surprising when we see it in people that are closest to us and that we love the most. most. And, um, and then also for me, it's really surprising when, you know, a pseudo stranger can kind of point me toward Jesus. Um, and, and it's something that words fail to describe. Like, even as I'm talking to you about it now, I'm like, oh, I just want to show you a video or mm-hmm. I just wish you could be there with me, you know, because, um, there was something, there was an, there was a spirit, there was some sort of, um, connection that really words, um, fail at describing. And it's such an honor to be in the presence when someone gets, when someone is doing something like that, when they are just, all their passions are coming out into this one unique craft, whether it be singing or art or dance or music. It's just, um, it's a privilege to mm-hmm. be able to witness that. It's really cool. And I, I've seen it with um, in- intellect too. Like uh, some of you don't know this, but Johnny Beach, um, a resting elder at downtown church. He, I saw some of his intelligence come alive, his, his gifts when we, we came into this problem of, okay, we're doing online worship. How do we do songs that aren't old hymns in the domain of the license that we currently have? How do we do what we love to do, which is all sorts of songs and worship. And uh, man, he just went to town <laughs> figuring that out for us. And yeah, I think I see it in, in all sorts of aspects of life. And, and like you said, all sorts of people. Very cool. All right. Well, I've got another point of the sermon that I've been um, just gnawing on since I had the chance to read it. Um, You talk about how important it is for us to create and foster and nurture a culture that allows people to change their minds. So I'm just curious if you can say a little bit more about why you think that's so important. Well, because I think if we never changed our minds, it'd be terrible. Like middle school Lucas, if I never changed my mind, I, gosh, I don't know. Like I don't know where I would be right now. I mean, I think um, changing your mind—it's one of the reasons why I love being a part of the Reformed tradition. Like, there's that saying. Like, one of my friends in in theology class was like, we were talking about the Presbyterian Church, and and some people in the Presbyterian Church, myself included, sometimes get like really like high and mighty of like, oh, we've got it all figured out. And he was like, if you really think the Presbyterian Church has got it all and figured out, you don't really get the part that says we're reformed and always reforming and how we can always be reforming. We can always be changing our minds and hopefully working towards something that more resembles the kingdom of God. And, um, and when we create a culture that changes, that encourages people to change their minds, it's not riddled with shame or guilt or looks to the past. It looks uh, to the present and the future to help um, build relationships and create sustainable community um, in ways that can really, I think, bring bring the kingdom of God on, to earth. So I don't know. What about you? Yeah, I was thinking about um, the stages of faith. Did you read that in seminary? Yeah. Foster? Is it Foster? Mm, it's from like the 70s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, But what I loved about it is that it validates each stage of faith, um, our development of faith, and and also reminds us that we're on like a circular journey. We're not just starting in one place and we're going to end up in the promised land. We are, um, or Jesus is going to take us there, but our own spiritual journey in life, there's room for us to grow and to change our minds. And there's going to be times where we don't feel as close to God. And then other times we feel really close to God. Uh, So even having that cycle of change within our spiritual life, I think is important to lift up. 
because so often we're tempted to just like get to the right answers, get to, um, in the Methodist culture, there's this like perfecting our faith. We're always getting better, getting better. But what we know to be true is sometimes we get worse. Sometimes we fall. Um, and it's important to be open, I think, to continuing to change. Yeah, there's, I think of this, I can't get the name of the people off the top of my head, but it's in the Old Testament. It's when God, uh, these these women are brought to God. And um, do you know what I'm talking about? And they are originally not given uh, any title to land. Mm. And and the men are like, yeah, right, they don't get land. And God initially says yes, but then God changes God's mind and says no. And it's this invitation. I think it's where progress comes. Like if we weren't ever allowed to change our minds, then 50 years ago, like you wouldn't be a pastor in the Presbyterian church. Um, and And that would be awful. Like people wouldn't be, like you wouldn't be doing your gig, sharing your passions and gifts and call for the world. And um, I think it's just, it's, it's a way that, that we can expand the circle of care. Once heard that Christianity at its best should be an ever widening circle of care. And I think that causes us, it forces us to change our minds about just who belongs in that circle um, and how that circle can continue to grow. Mm-hmm. But it's hard because changing your minds it forces us to admit that we've been wrong. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I remember um, a mentor of mine telling me like healthy organizations, healthy communities are ones in which we don't all look or feel the same, but we all kind of feel a little bit like an outsider. Like we hmm. all are um, on the margins and yet choosing to stay connected to one another. I did find it's fouler stages of faith that okay. I, was, yep. I, <laughs> I was that. thinking of. Uh well, thank you for your sermon, Lucas. It's a really um, great word, and I appreciate sermons like this that um, encourage me to continue thinking on them for some time, you mm. know, so thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for, thanks for listening, and thanks for the good questions. You know, I got more, but yeah. I'm going <laughs> to... Got to uh, pray at some point. We got to pray. Let us pray. Jesus the humble freight train, Jesus, the savory bread baker, Jesus, the woodworker, the spirit, the light. You catch us off guard when you come to us. We do not expect you. With not a title or rank to your name, we can't help ourselves but be skeptical of your validity. We can't help but question you and hold tight to our own certainties. And yet you come to us and you bring us fully alive and you set us on a path we could not have discovered on our own. Keep us open, Jesus. Keep our minds and our questions open enough for us to get to see you. And hear us now as we pray together the prayer Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. There is a carrying of the faith that comes when we share what we believe out loud. And so I invite you, wherever you find yourselves, to pull up the words of one of the earliest creeds, the Apostles' Creed, to say it along with me, or you can just close your eyes as I read now. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell, and the third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven, and he sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And from thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Some glad morning when this life is over, Celestial show, I'll fly away. I'll fly away, oh glory. I'll fly away when I die. Hallelujah, by and by.
Friends, come and see. Come and see the Lord is good. Come and see that a child has been born. Come and see that God can show up in the wildest and most unexpected of ways. Come and see. And friends, as you go out into the world, be anxious for nothing but pray to God. May the love of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds until we meet again. Friends, go in peace. Amen. If you feel compelled to support the church financially, you can give a secure gift online at downtownchurch.me slash give. A special thanks to our technical team and artists of all forms. Musical composition and vocals brought to you by Max Stidham, Jen Griffith, Jim Graddick, and Sean Thompson. Audio mastery by Drew Parker. Keep on the sunny side by A.P. Carter, Gloria Patry by City Hymns, Guiding Light by Foy Vance, and All Fly Away by Albert E. Brumley. Music is covered under the license CCS number 11209. Scripture quoted from the New Revised Standard Version of the Bible and Theological Musings and Prayer brought to you by Lucas Jones and Dawn Hyde.